0: Welcome back to the We Valiant Few podcast. For our hosts today, we have myself, Crossfire. Slapshot, back at it again. Raptor. And we also have our co-host. Shaggy. And then we have two guests for this episode. Hi, I'm Blackbeard.
1: I'm a package handler. I'm Skyscraper, and I work in manufacturing. All right, for this episode, we'll be talking
0: about the Second Amendment. Go. All right, so we'll start...
2: Like we did last time, and I will read the Second Amendment verbatim. Uh, the Second Amendment, as it is written, is a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Seems like the last part of that's always optional, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so, this is a pretty hot, hotly debated topic today. Uh, especially with current political climate, riots, all that, we see a lot of people that are um, defending themselves. We see a lot of people that are just going out and being vigilantes. And I think it's really important that we discuss the how how the Second Amendment works today and how it is intended by the sec- or by the founding fathers. Um,
3: well, before that, I think something that is is good to talk about is how many weapons there are, or what are considered weapons uh, by by the government uh, in 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 circulation right now. I know that what was it? I believe it was September had the highest grossing firearms sales. It was over
4: 600%. Yeah, actually, I I did take note on the stat for that. Uh, Americans bought an estimated 1.92 million guns in the month of September of 2020, making it the sixth highest month on record, according to the analysis of the FBI, which is a 67% increase from the previous September of last year.
3: And that was only in the month of September, correct?
5: Yeah. So across the board, like that number would be would be so much higher than where it already is. Yeah. And firearm firearms are being
2: bought by tons like tons of different people now. Um with new we like like you said, all these new gun owners getting new guns.
0: Yeah, and, and it seems like this entire year, like, ever since the initial rioting started, it seems like that's pretty much been the trend for it, is that we've been we've been shattering record after record after record for firearms purchases. I know not just second-time people or, like, people that are, I'd call them, like, serial firearm purchasers, where they keep purchasing multiple firearms, or people that collect them. Um, this year has set records for first-time firearms purchases. Um and a lot of like a lot of city-based people that I, I think are just buying guns because they're afraid of what could possibly happen. And they care about their they care about protecting themselves, you know. Especially with
3: all the riots and, and
0: all the civil unrest going on. Yeah, of course, you can't blame them. You know,
5: panic buying.
0: Yeah, panic buying. Mm-hmm. And then
5: with the the ammo, you know that shows with the ammo that's like it's hard to find right now. So you have so much, you know look at years prior, you could get, you could walk into any firearms, you know, distributor store, you know, whatever have you, and you could get as much ammo as you wanted, whatever caliber, you know, granted if it was a common caliber, and then now since coronavirus and, you know, with everything that's been going on politically, you know, everything that's driven from that, you can't find anything because everybody's gone in this panic buy. where, you know, with the same thing with the toilet paper. Everybody was buying toilet paper, milk, you know, all the essentials. And now, the people that actually utilize, you know, the Second Amendment in its proper way, cannot do the, you know, get the equipment, ammo, and whatever else to, you know, do the proper training.
2: Let's t- let's touch on each everyone's individual understanding of the Second Amendment. Uh, we'll start with uh, you, Blackbeard.
5: All right, my interpretation of the uh, Second Amendment would be you know anybody you know it says you know if you want to have whatever the military has you should be able to own the same thing because without having something to defend against a tyrannical government to this you know the same magnitude of weaponry that they have what where are we where we are out of serious disadvantage so and I think that you know, granted, you pass the background check and you you don't have you know you pass you know you don't have any like medications that you know Would deem you you know unsuitable. To yeah, unsuitable knife. to to mm-hmm. own and use a firearm properly and, and safely. Safe, yeah. You know, so if you don't have, if you pass that you know criteria, then I feel like it's, you should be well within your right to own whatever, whatever, whatever you want. Yeah. Granted, you have the money and you know, whatever, and you pass the background check, you know, like as far as like, you know, same thing with like suppressors. I feel like, you know, it helps out with a lot of people, you know, a lot of people with hearing issues, you know, like, cause it's damaging. Yeah.
3: So I, I, I do agree with a lot of that, but the, the, the second amendment is the right of the people meaning the people of the United States, all people. I do agree that there should be some slight regulation on it where, and I understand that you're not supposed to, you can't legally purchase a firearm without parental consent before the age of 18 being being like a long gun and you can't purchase a pistol to the age of 21. Um, Or, or, or carry, or you can carry a, a, Pistol before the age of twenty one, if it's owned by uh, a parent, but I know that a lot of people will go hunting early, by the age of thirteen. I know of. So. I did,
0: yeah. so I know people that are even younger than that, actually. So,
3: it, as long as, 12. in my opinion, as long as you are given the fundamentals of these of these deadly weapons, and you know how to use them, and you can use them properly, and like Blackbeard said. Can can pass a at least a competency test where you're you're not being uh, unsafe with them. You should be allowed to own them because it is the right of the people.
2: My definition is pretty to the point. Um, the Second Amendment's intent and reason is to ensure that the monopoly of violence. Is not one-sided meaning the monopoly of violence in definition is one group having all of the ability to do all of the violence and be the most effective at that so if the Second Amendment were to go away then the monopoly the monopoly of violence would strictly be with the government the government can do whatever violence they want without nearly any Backlash. The Second Amendment prevents that by allowing the people to be armed to ensure that the it is not tipped
4: in one way or the other.
3: It's a check and balance. Yeah,
4: Yeah, I, I 100% agree with all you guys. I, I don't think there should be any limitations on firearms. Definitely some background checks and competency uh, tests for people purchasing firearms, but there should not be any real restriction on what firearm or firearm accessory that you're purchasing. Anything available to the military should be available to civilians with due training.
0: Well, see, so I come, you know, I know a bit more about this because like the doing some, you know, some pretty heavy research on this stuff here and believe it or not, that's kind of how it is. You know, if you go through and get the proper licensing and whatnot, if you want to go through the FFLs and get, or if you want to start an FFL with the appropriate class, um, you know, you go for the higher classes. You know, seven, eight, nine, eleven, or seven, eight, nine, ten, and up. You know, you can go out and you can buy a Howitzer if you really, if you have the money for it. But then they start they start putting all this extra heavy regulation on top of that. Like actually, you know, having that type of thing, you need to have a business established. You need to go through all this paperwork stuff. And, and anytime you do anything, you have to go through all this crazy stuff. You have to have a crazy facility to, to keep all this stuff. And there's a lot of regulation on, it, so it's Partially that way, like you said, where you should be able to go out and buy anything uh, already, but it's not as open as you'd think. Like the m- average mil- citizen couldn't do such. No, like see, my my opinion on the Second Amendment is, you know, following along with what you guys said. Um, but there's two main things that I'd like to add. Um, I disagree with it being the right of the people to keep and bear arms. I think it is. I think it's a requirement. I think it's necessary that people keep and bear arms. So that way it goes back to what you said, Raptor, about the keeping the checks and balances in order and keeping everything sa- you know, keeping everything how it should be, like the natural order of things. Um, and on top of that, I really think the Second Amendment's important because I feel that the Second Amendment inherently protects all the other amendments in the Constitution itself. Because, you know, we have our freedom of speech, we have our freedom of religion and whatnot, like we talked about before, but if you can't how a system you, yeah, if you can't guarantee it, if you can't have a system in place that guarantees your right to protect those um, whether it be just by the idea of having a farm or by force if necessary, then how good is that right? It's as good as the government deems it. Yeah, it's is.
2: as good as whoever they want to say it is. So, you may have the right to free speech now, like we talked about last podcast, but all they have to do is say hey, we're gonna pass a law, and now you you don't you don't have that right anymore.
0: Yeah, and what are you gonna do about it? Because you have no way of protecting that. Yeah, which uh, that's why I said I really feel the Second Amendment is. I mean, like I know each amendment is important for its own right, and each one has a very very particular reason for existing. And they're, they're, I they're mean, each of them basically says what they exist for. But I think the Second Amendment to me is one of the most important, if not the most important, because it guarantees all of the other ones existing. Um, as far as like you were saying for people to be able to get things, I still think you should be able to order machine guns on Amazon. So that's <laughs> <laughs> but that's
1: a secondary. Well played, sir. Yeah. <laughs> see, see it, I'm sixty uh,
0: coming through. We'll, 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 through we'll, we'll throw this over to you, skyscraper, for the for the final bit to it.
1: All right. So the Second Amendment, I agree with that it's the right to bear arms. But on the flip side. Uh, say someone goes out and they go through the requirements to get like a fully automatic weapon and then they use that for mass casualties okay so if any American is able to get like a fully automatic or a mass destructive weapon look at what's going on right now in like Philadelphia or Portland or even in in major cities, yeah. Philadelphia,
0: yeah, right now, yeah.
1: Just think of how many people would be out there killing each other or blowing up buildings or all that fun jazz just because it's our right to own lethal weapons, we'll put it that way. But I do agree that everyone should have the right to buy whatever they want and get whatever they want, but there's always that flip side of what if it goes too far. So whenever we talk about going too
2: far, uh, that's a good point because so let's let's tie it into the first amendment is saying things that are racist illegal no exactly free, we, free we allow because free speech exists that also allows people who have evil intent evil ideas and evil things to to say whatever they want to as long as it doesn't mean as long as it's not a call to action yeah, yeah. a call to action um And I think that ties directly into that. There will be bad people and it is not the gun that is inherently bad. The gun is neutral. It's a tool. It is. It is nothing more. It's nothing more than a tool. And it is a a messed up person that has a messed up reason to do something that is messed up.
0: Even right now, when you, you can go to, you know, any, I mean, you could go to several major department stores even. and you know every town has how many gun shops. You can go in right now and you can buy, you know, semi-automatic rifles, semi-automatic handguns. And as it sits right now, you know, like the the amount of you know mass casualties, casualties, and and, and, and homicides in general that are performed with, you know, semi-automatic firearms in general is significantly less. Like I I, I mean I, I know the statistic is like you're you're far more likely to be punched to death, or kicked to death than be sh- being shot right now. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that would necessarily change if we change the tools people had, because I think back to like going off what you said, back to what Raptor said. I think it comes down to the person ordeal. And of course, you know, if someone, if someone is evil and they have a tool that can hurt a lot of people, there's a higher likelihood that someone's going to get hurt. But what if the what if the people that you know are at the likelihood of getting hurt also have the same tool to stop them? So, An armed
3: society is a polite society. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's, it, so like, it's that. It's a lot of ifs. There's a ton of ifs in that, so and that's why we're talking about. Of course, that's why it's all hypothetical. So I mean, that's that's my rebuttal to that. You know, it's like things. If you raise the bar, I don't necessarily think it'll it'll change much. Because like, if you actually, I can I can I can actually allude to something that actually happened, but quite in the opposite direction. When they over in England, when they took all the guns away, people resorted to, to knife violence, and it didn't really change the number that much. Mexico as well.
1: Mexico has one of the strictest gun laws out there, and there's more violence of gangs with guns than there are, like, elsewhere. I, I don't know if this... This
0: is totally off the top of my head. I don't know. If, I have nothing to back this up, but I wonder if that's has to do with the fact that knives are way easier to get than a gun. It Just, just, it's just mm-hmm. inherently. It has to do with the gun... Like, the drug trade in Mexico. Yeah.
2: Like, Mexico yeah. is basically run by the cartel the cartel yeah thing. yeah
5: um i do know like in australia they completely abolished firearms for a period of time there was a big massacre you know and that after that they abolished all all firearms they just have recently i mean within the past I'm, i don't have i don't know the exact year or whatever but i think it's within the past like Ten to fifteen years that they allowed people with permit, like you have to get a permit to purchase a firearm. They've just now started that back up, but the illegal firearms in Australia, firearms deaths by firearms, like you know homicides, murders, you know whatnot, was way higher in the years of the firearms being abolished than whenever people were able to, you know, get the proper permits to purchase a firearm and protect themselves. So, like you said, yes, with, you know, there are a lot of bad people that have a lot of ill intent, but with equal evil, you can meet with equal good. You know, it's it's all a matter of who wants to be more violent. Like, that, I mean, that's the harsh truth about it is, you know, who's willing to go that far to protect what is right.
2: Like, if there's someone that's super evil, there should be someone on the other side that is super good and like, yeah, willing to put their life on the line to protect other people. Like, just... The the world isn't full of just evil people who want to do harm with these things. The majority... Majority of gun owners, and... I want to pull up the statistic for it, but... Concealed carry permit owners are, like, I think...
3: 80% less likely. 80% I
2: think less... It's,
1: it's right... It's roughly around. Less there. likely to commit a crime all right so on the concealed carry permit topic is that your right under the Second Amendment
3: to conceal
1: yeah
0: yes I believe so I, I think that I think that having a permit to conceal carry what and you know there are caveats to this there is the, there are all the evil people and whatnot. But I think that having the required permit to, co- to concealed carry is an infringement on rights. I personally believe that. Yes.
3: I know some states, uh, I believe they're called constitutional carry yep. states. I know um, West Virginia specifically is a constitutional carry state where if, if pulled over or, or questioned by any sort of law enforcement or government agency, whatever it may be, that's one of the first questions they ask you is do you have any weapons on you? because they, they allow you to have that. Where in some other states where there is not a constitutional carry uh, or a, being able to conceal carry everywhere, um, you have to give them your, your conceal carry license or whatever whatever permits and licenses you have whenever you're talking to them, whenever you give them your information, that way they can ask that question.
5: That's like here, you have to have the permit but you are not legally pressured to let the officer or you know whatever know that you have that said firearm. Like that is not something that you have to have. Like you don't have to tell them that. Like that's just a courtesy thing, which I f- I firmly believe everybody should just do. With the state of things nowadays, anyways, but by law you don't have to.
2: Yeah, create a, a, that that goes into another thing. If you're concealed carrying with um, whenever you're at a traffic stop. One thing that I always do is I always... The first thing I do is I tell them that I have, a, I have a weapon. Just to ensure that there's no, like, safety issue for them or me. It's it's a respect thing.
4: It's... a transparency thing. Yeah. Right. It kind of lets their guard down just a little bit, like, they're aware, you know. And yeah. just
5: watch your hands. Like, just put your hands on the steering wheel. Yeah. Like, it, it mm-hmm. gives them a sense of security. Like, okay, this guy let me know that he has this. And... If you listen to the steps that he gives you, and like most of the time they won't even you know, even take it off you or you know if it's just a normal traffic stop, mm-hmm. you know they're gonna be like okay thank you for letting me know
3: keep your hands away yeah yeah
5: just keep your hands on the steering wheel where I can see them whatever have you you know and if you have to go and reach for your credentials you know let me you know let, give me a good line of sight which. Again, that's just a common courtesy, and any good doing person is going to do, which I believe most Second Amendment people or any gun toting American is going to do because with great power comes great responsibility. And I think most people that carry a firearm understand that. You that there is a lot of responsibility that comes with carrying something that could potentially end somebody's life.
2: You could hurt yourself if you're not careful with it. It just mm-hmm. not being, and that's. Goes into the importance of getting your hands on firearms, understanding that they are tools. They're not going to get up and beat you up and hurt you, but they are dangerous if not used
0: properly. Yeah, I personally know. I personally know more people that have accidentally hurt themselves with a firearm, like I said, not not like not like suicide or anything. Like accidentally hurt themselves with a firearm for one reason or another, versus people that were actually you know or that have purposely shot somebody. So it's careful or you have to be careful with that, you know. Like you said, you have to, I think enforcing or not enforcing, uh, encouraging you know, firearms training, firearms handling and whatnot at a young age to show to show children the responsibility that these items are and and to really respect them, as I was taught, I think is important.
3: And to show the safety and to show how to handle all, them safety, all, all safely. All that.
2: All that comes inherently, yeah. Um I kinda wanna step into some of the things that Uh, The founder said about the militia and about keeping and bearing arms for individuals. Um, And I've got a couple of the Federalist papers here and a couple things quoted that I thought were pretty important. Um, This goes into more of my definition of the second amendment. So I'll just read this. This is from Federalist number 28 power being almost always the rival of power the general government will at times stand ready to check the usurpation of the state governments and these will have the same disposition towards the general government the people by throwing themselves into either scale will infallibly make it preponderate if their rights are invaded by either they can make use of the other as the instrument of redress How wise will it be in them by cherishing cherishing the union to preserve to themselves an advantage which can never be too highly prized? And this is in regard to if the federal government were to infringe on the state and the people's rights, then it is the people and the state's rights to push back on the federal government. If the state government is to push on the people or the federal government it is the federal government and the people's job to push back on the state government using these using the second amendment and here it talks about how wise will it be for them by cherishing the union to preserve to themselves an advantage which can never be too highly prized is talking about this is something like the people need to understand the the real reason of the second amendment to protect themselves from infringement of freedom as
0: defined in the Constitution. Which goes to what I was saying, where I think it's important that you have this, the Second Amendment to guarantee your other freedoms. It's not this talking point where, oh, the Second Amendment is about hunting. You don't need, a, you don't need an AR-15 to hunt. You don't need a shotgun to hunt. It's like, uh, well, that, first of all, that's not your business. Second of all, that's not what the Second Amendment's about. It's not about hunting. It's about guaranteeing your rights in a, in, a, in a really simple form. You know.
3: I mean, and a lot of people will say that it's it's just your your freedom to own weapons, but it, it's not. It's about all of your freedoms, like and you it said. Says
2: bear arms. It says the right to keep and bear arms in the bear, bearing meaning
0: carrying having using own, the, yeah. the owning owning but that the bearing arms the second part the first part you know being necessary to the security of a free state so it's not just owning them but the fact that owning them guarantees a free state inherently and how does it how does it guarantee the free state
2: what people carrying around weapons doesn't necessarily mean that they're all going to be good with the weapon they're not going to know how to use it or anything and that's why i think training is something that's extremely important if you have firearms you should know how to use them you should run yourself through scenarios in having to use them because if you don't then you're like what use is it for you to have the weapon
0: you can even look at this too like the way things work it's like where where do most mass shootings occur gun-free zones because the fact that nobody else there the exception of maybe a security guard or two or you know situationally dependent has a firearm to prevent that person. It doesn't happen in place. you don't see mass shootings in a gun store.
1: But on that note, so gun free zones, since you can't conceal carry inside them because that's technically illegal because your permit is uh, a state given right basically. Yeah. Does that void? So the way it's set up right now
0: is that there are certain exceptions to the carry permit and those are you know expressly written you know they say like you know gun free zones federal buildings federal properties and one are other areas that you cannot carry a firearm it doesn't it doesn't that doesn't really have to do with a concealed carry that has to do with any place you're allowed to just carry a firearm in general and the concealed carry permit only allows you to carry a firearm in places where you're already allowed to own a, or already allowed to take a firearm so it falls mm-hmm. underneath that own that, that own thing or sorry, the other thing because the, new, the, the current no gun zones are above that.
3: Well, and that also, back to the original point of where most gun violence and mass shootings happen is in gun free zones. The reason that that is the case, like you were saying, is, is that there's only on the off chance there's a security guard or, or what have you that might have something to defend everyone. They're putting themselves in, the, the person doing this heinous act is putting themselves at such an advantage over everyone because they're the only ones, quote unquote, that would have the capabilities to do that because nobody in that area, if they are law-abiding citizens like most are, have nothing to stop them. Which shows just how messed up those people are.
0: Like, yeah, so like this, so that even comes down to it. Even something higher than not even just guns or not. It, it, it's just a, it's just a matter of evil, good versus evil at that point. And unfortunately, for good to exist, evil does have to exist in some capacity. Because if you get, say, if you were to get rid of the evil as we know it now, the least good people would just become the evil people. It, it's a, it's a scale that just yeah. has it's to exist. A vicious cycle. The, the yin, the yin-yang concept. One has to exist, the other doesn't. You know. Where one has to exist for the other other to exist more so.
1: That brings up like, um, for if you're unarmed in a safe and gun-free zone, you're there's statistics out there that shows that uh, there's no gun owner owning citizens that are able there to stop them, and it all pulls up that military and police personnel are the ones to respond, therefore pushing that the second amendment doesn't really mean anything because of that. I would like to note
4: in our state, you can't conceal carry in a gun free zone. Oh, can you? You can.
0: Since, since when? Because can I know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, I know our courthouse, like our local courthouse, if you were to walk in with a gun, like there's a potential for you to get arrested, even though you have a concealed carry permit. I can true. touch on that.
5: Okay. Um, the inside of a courthouse oh, or some, even Several police. federal buildings. They have. You can walk in there, like a courthouse. You know, police. You know, sheriff's office. You know, you know, post office. You know, like there's other places like it that they have places where you can go and check. You can check your your firearm there. Now, as far as carrying it in, you know, walking around, I don't believe that to be. No, that, no that, that, that's not I, a thing. I've personally. But you can check your your firearm there and put it into a lockbox or, you know, a locker of some sort.
3: I know even police can't carry into, into a courtroom... Like, they have to check it before they even go in, even if they're giving testimony, even if they're in full uniform, even if they have their duty belt on where it would be. They're not allowed to have their firearms or tasers or, or mace or anything like that in the courtroom.
0: So that might not so much be a gun-free zone. That might just, that might actually just be the fact that it's a federal building um, or, like, a state building. Because, like, I know the ones that I've ran into are state-owned buildings um, where, like you said, you have to go through the check-in process and all that. Um, and then... I guess, if we, I guess we'll count schools, too, because schools would be owned by the state, technically, wouldn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah. So, that's probably what the case is there. And then, on t- and then other than that, can't really think of too many other places, at least in our area, that are marked as gun-free zones.
3: Where, well, even, but under Slapshot's point, where where would you and how would you be able to, to go about concealed carrying in a gun-free zone? That just seems a bit...
5: Really backwards. counterintuitive.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and on that,
2: like talking about school carrying weapons in schools and like having security guards in schools, I think that's that like having security guards in schools, I think is a, is a good thing, uh, especially today because there are pe- with social media and how it messes with people's minds and just with today's levels of depression, anxiety, uh, unsure of yourself, stuff like that, it, I think it's good that um, security guards are in schools.
5: Yeah, but with the with being said security guards, now these security guards, I don't believe that they should be, you know, these average Joe, you know, rent-a-cops, no. you know. I don't believe that'd be something, because that's really, if it gets nitty-gritty, like, most of these, you know, most people, if they're just like a rent-a-cop, like,
4: they are they, or or do they know.
5: have the proper training to really handle somebody with a, you know, with, a, fo- with a, a a, battle rifle or an AR-15, an AK, you know, something that is, you know, able to rack off, you know, many rounds in a said period of time where, you know, these guys are going to be carrying a, a pistol? And and even, most, and even that.
0: most mass shootings are, are like, that, that are firearms-related, well, mass shootings are committed with pistols, yeah. Yeah,
5: I... I, agree. I I I understand that, but I mean, with these, you know, these guards, they should definitely have the training and the wit, you know, and whatnot. Understanding that, you know, what they may come across, like say somebody comes in with a rifle, they better know how to, you know, mitigate, you know, all of the the aggression coming in, and be able to, you know situationally break down where, you know, how to get people out and where they need to go to, you know... They should be more trained. Isn't yeah, like they, they the, should be almost ex-military or go through some sort of class. Tra-
2: same thing with police, too. Like, we're talking about military police. A lot of people know that not all of the military are, like, super awesome shooters or anything like that. A lot of them, they shoot twice twice a year every six months they they get their qualification they never shoot on the move they never shoot uh, anywhere other than prone which is laying on the ground or kneeling and they shoot at stagnant tar like paper targets or targets that pop up and that is the extent of their training and that's a lot of like the support guys whereas infantry gets a lot little more into the weeds of like movements uh, formations stuff like that and how to like deal with certain situations and I definitely think that, like any kind, any if you if your job entails you carrying a firearm, you definitely should be much, much you should be very trained, you very should proficient, very proficient, you should be able to think under pressure, you should not make crazy decisions under pressure, and that those are stuff that should be tested, um, that allow you so then you know that if your job is to carry that weapon and which means that you are more likely to to get in a situation where you need it, that you are not going to make dumb mistakes. And I think, uh, especially today with um, police shootings and stuff like that, that's something we need to fund
4: the police more so that they are able to get this quality of training. And I think a lot of the times at least nowadays when people are saying defund the police they're thinking oh let's like unarm the police like let's give them less firepower because there's a lot of police gun violence right now or gun violence no, it the just police. has a
2: lot of visibility right now
4: right and I don't think these people that are supporting these this defund the police movement are understanding that the back-end funding of the police is they're always going to be armed. No one's going to stop... I mean, all the police departments are going to arm their and they officers. Be. Right, of course. But because if you're going to defund do? the police, they're going to get less training. And if you're going to train your officers less, they're not going to be ready in these situations where they need to be ready.
3: And, and I agree with that. Like, they're, they're always going to be armed because if they're not armed, if they don't have a, a duty rifle, a duty pistol, or a duty shotgun, whatever it may be, how are they supposed to stop somebody... Who went out of their way to get a rifle and want to cause harm to people. How are they going to stop? They're going to run up with a baton and beat him over the head while he's gunning him down? I don't think so. Right, and
4: that leads me to another point that I wanted to bring up, actually. because As I was doing some research on the topic, uh, if you are going to make firearms more illegal or extremely regulated or more inaccessible, right? To, to the U.S. people, people who do things illegally will always find a way to get their hands on things. I mean, it's with the drug trade. I mean, cocaine isn't legal, but people still get their hands on it, right? Well, laws only stop law-abiding people. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same thing as, like, a lock. Locks are for Keep honest people. people. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right, so you're... Keeping the honest people honest. Right, yeah. so mm-hmm. your
4: average Joe Americans who want to defend themselves
2: won't be able to because... And they won't be as armed as the people that wish to do people
4: harm. Right, and that guy that obtained his rifle illegally and is shooting up a
3: place cannot be stopped. It yeah. doesn't matter to him. Every law doesn't matter. If he got his rifle illegally, he's not going to abide by a gun-free zone. Right.
0: Or, like, those are the type of people that, like, if there's a cop car there that has the window down, they go take the gun out of it because they don't care about the legality of what they do. So, it's, the, it's, the gun control would do nothing yeah, to them. it's Yeah, it's completely stupid. Uh, to think about it in a way
2: that's like, oh, if we just get get rid of all the guns, then there will be no gun violence. Well, people that might be true. People always find a way. And guess what? If you get rid of all the guns, which is extremely unlikely, given the first st- statistic we talked about, being there's for every for every,
0: for every 100 people in America, was it 120.5? I think is the number. Yes. Yeah, 120.5 guns. So you're looking at 393 million guns. And uh, you so need the, you need a lot of tractor trailers. Quick math. And, and you
5: just rack that off in your head. And how are, Very impressive. How are you, uh,
0: <laughs> how do you plan
2: on getting rid of all these guns? Because I'm telling you, people are not just going to say, here you go. I don't want them anymore. Well, and even, <laughs>
3: even, even if that is the case, even if you got rid of all the guns, the violence is still going to remain the same. Violent people and evil people will do evil with whatever they possibly can get their hands on. So are we going to ban steak knives if somebody goes around starting poking other people? That, I don't
0: like That goes back to my original my original point of. It does it, the, the weapon itself is not it isn't the bad thing. The people are bad and they're going to grab whatever tool they possibly can. Like you said is it a steak knife? Is it a sledgehammer? Is it a, is a, is it a baseball? Is it a pencil? <laughs> you're John Wick. Yeah, if it's a pencil. Uh <laughs> or, or or is it going to be a, a brick or a rock or their fist or their their or their foot you know that's like it doesn't matter because there's something you know if someone's going out with the intent to kill somebody in you know in a malicious way there's something seriously wrong and they're going to do whatever they can to do that it doesn't have to be just a gun a gun just happens to be one of many ways to do it gun control will not stop crimes no, absolutely not. not and it doesn't it's it's,
4: it's been proven,
0: proven. <laughs> it's actually proven
4: that recent gun control efforts haven't stopped Gun crime at all? Like
0: well, what was the the nineteen ninety
3: four? Uh, was it the crime bill? Is that what that was called? For, for what
0: the gun control? Yeah. Um, no, the crime bill was unrelated. Um, y- are you thinking when they uh, when they cracked on
3: imports? Clinton, nineteen ninety
2: four. That that was the assault weapon assault, assault weapons, weapons ban. ban. Was that ninety four?
0: Yeah. There's there's eighty six assault weapons ban mm. and. Then I know there's another one when they that the one that I believe because it was
3: 25 years because it just it was it was just up.
0: I believe the one you're talking about is the one where they started to require thumbhole stocks for imports and whatnot. I think that was 94 because they they amended part of it. But it's like that you know like it won't do anything while while you're looking it up it's like the statistics are proven, like when australia go back to your point when australia banned all their guns news i think it was new zealand which so so that way area and regionality doesn't doesn't isn't really a factor new zealand didn't and the crime spiked slightly in australia following that and then they both decreased at the same rate so it it, it did nothing at all it, 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 except make it worse you know
5: and this goes into the same thing with over in U- the UK, like they banned firearms. So, what rose knives, blunt objects, like the more vicious ways of hurting? Yeah, like, 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 are if you really, yeah. like, <laughs> really? If you were to think about it, if you were, if you were going to go out one way, are you rather, are you going to sit there and take, you know, take a bullet to the dome? Like, uh, God, you know, if that, if, that if would ever happened, like if you to have one way, but, or the other, yeah, yeah, but if you had to have it one way, are you going to sit there and take a hammer and get bludgeoned in the face? Or are you gonna take a round of the dome? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm gonna take the easy way, and it's gonna be quick.
2: Right. Oh, I yeah, agree, agree with, with you. you. I mean, that's not a very good way of defending the Second Amendment. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's very crude. Crud. No, but I mean, crud. Crud. but it's it's reflecting it's the reality true, of the situation. Right. I mean, yeah. it it yeah. is reality. Um, and I all, did back I did find the, the 1994. 1994 was, it, it was yeah, it, it was
3: the assault, assault weapon weapon. the federal assault weapons ban. Okay. Okay. Enacted by Bill Clinton.
0: And what all? I mean, okay, so that leads into a whole separate point of assault weapons. Oh, oh. Quote, unquote, "quote unquote" assault, assault weapons. Get the finger quotations. So what do you I don't know if you still have that pulled up. What I do. is does it define what an assault weapon is? Uh
3: the, the the long and the short at the beginning of it says uh the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994, also known as the Federal Assault Weapons Ban, um or I'm sorry, the Federal Assault Weapons Ban was a subsection of the Violent Crime Control and Law Enforcement Act of 1994.
0: Oh, it was part of the crime bill. Huh. Yes,
3: uh, which included a prohibition on the manufacture for civilian use of certain semi-automatic firearms that were defined as assault weapons, as a certain ambu- uh, ammunition magazine capacity that were defined as large capacity.
0: Oh, the sh- that, that's that makes sense because that's when the striker shotgun was... Uh, transferred into a Class 3 weapon even though it's a semi-automatic shotgun. Yeah, the 10-year ban
3: was passed in the United States Congress in September of
0: 1994. So so does it define assault weapon at all? Uh, Because you can't just say that this here... Well, I'll I'll give the definition of what they
2: say. Assault weapons are any military-style weapons or weapons that are used by the military. But we can quickly debunk this... Any scary weapons. ...simply by... (laughs) um, Well, first of all, military-style weapons the military doesn't develop weapons
0: no they don't they buy from contractors. they buy from from contractors
2: who are what civilians
0: private companies
2: yeah private companies right. make these the weapons public. that sell some sell to the public some don't some sell weapons specifically for the military but the i they don't sell they start in the civilian these weapons that are military style weapons start as civilian weapons they have no no correlation with the military and honestly a lot of the weapons that you see in like Call of Duty have never been affiliated with any government they're literally just um, used
5: they're their
4: rifles they're popular that, civilian
5: yeah, weapons that they the they pull military. over and make it a militarized you know rifle they they glorify it to be like okay oh. this is the next you know operator you know ish sort of and rifle and usually
2: those rifles have a certain standard of They're not more so talking about like oh they have to have this and that they they want reliability out of those weapons simply because the people that use them are pretty dense (laughs) like not not dense but like they um, they want to make it easy. They beat the crap out of stuff. Military like like, coming durability coming from a, a veteran. We beat the crap out of the the rifles that you're issued. Like you use stuff to clean them that are. Absolutely not! What you're supposed like baby wipes. You, you're not supposed to clean your weapons
0: with baby wipes. You use baby wipes? <laughs> yes. That's, really? That's pretty <laughs> awesome. But, well, you That's said about, pretty metal. You said the well, the environment has something to do with the way that they design military weapons, and, and nowadays a lot of contractor like the contracting companies you always think of, you know, uh, you know, you got Sig especially, you know, uh, you got Sig, you got Armalite, uh, and the various things of that. You got FN, et cetera, et cetera, that make guns now specifically for the military. Because they know that's where their market is. They know that that's where their where the money is to keep their companies going. If civilians could go out and buy a machine gun, you know they would be marketing to the civilians too. But if you got you know a civilian that's going to pay you you know a thousand dollars for an AR, or you um and you know you may sell two hundred of those in this X amount of time, but in the same amount of time the government's going to come forward. The government being general thing like that doesn't have to be just the U.S. But the gov- a government will come forward. And buy a hundred thousand rifles off you at you know the same price. You're gonna want to move towards that. That's just business, you know. Yeah. And I want to tie this point into something again from
2: the Federalist Papers. This uh, one is from Federalist Number Twenty Nine. Uh, and if you're unfamiliar with the Federalist Papers, the Federalist Papers are um, papers written to the I believe it's the it's they're dedicated to the people of the state of new york um or this one is from the author alexander hamilton which we all know is one of the founding fathers um but in this one he said one of the quotes that i have is by thus circumscribing the plan it will be possible to have an excellent body of well-trained militia as i turn the page ready to take the field whenever the defense of the state shall require it this will not only lessen the call for military establishments And i want to caveat this the founding fathers were not a very big fan of uh standing armies because of the risks that it uh came to the regular people um but if circumstances should at any time oblige the government to form an army of any magnitude that army can never be formidable to the liberties of the people while there is a large body of citizens little if at all inferior to them in discipline and the use of arms who stand ready to defend their own rights and those of their fellow citizens this appears to me the only substitute that can be devised for a standing army and the best possible security against it if it should exist it's very clear that we have a standing army today and not not saying that i think that the our standing army is, is a threat to us but this is the idea that the founders had when writing the second amendment this is why it's important that the people be armed and he talks about the militia but he also talks about um a larger body of citizens regular people and it's also been defined i i pulled it up today and i wish i had printed it out but um it's been defined in a court case in the 17 late 1700s early 1800s that um, the militia is considered any able-bodied
0: male between the ages of 18 and 40. I, I was going to bring that up because it's not explicitly like how we think of militia today, where they're a registered group that you have to become a part of and have to you know, register as militia status back then. It was kind of like, I don't want to say a community thing that just occurred. But it was a general term that blanketed normal people who wanted, or normal people who would take up arms if something
2: were to happen. And a lot of people think the National Guard is the militia. and It's not. Um, the national, the national base. The definition of a militia is a a an armed force to handle domestic issues, wh- whether that be like someone's invading us, or um, like National Guard does now, which is um, natural disasters or stuff like that. But the the National Guard deploys overseas which inherently makes them not militia
3: they're also part of the military
2: they're all yeah they're also part technically of the federal government they, they are at the disposal of the state like state national guards but they can be called upon at any time to be utilized on a federal level which inherently makes them if the federal government, which is a which, as defined in some of the Federalist Papers, can be something that imposes tyrannical rule on the people, then you can't rely on the militia, which or not the militia, the uh, national guard, to protect you because
0: they if they're government. owned by the federal government in part. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I would definitely add something to your uh, the the definition you said of a militia, where you know it's a group of, of people willing to protect something comprised of citizens yeah non-government workers like not explicitly government workers and they i mean they talk about a lot in in the federalist papers on
2: like how the the militia should come together and stuff like that and some of some of it's relevant some of it some of it's not relevant they talk about like the grievances that people would have with having to it's like a mandatory duty that everyone on on, in the United States shows up to train. But I think the way that we should look at it today is that if you are a owner of a weapon and and an able body, you should, you should own a weapon and you should train to a, the standard, like they say um, in here, it says um, little, if at all inferior to them in discipline and use of arms, which is in and, talking about the a standing army people the regular citizen should be as armed and trained as the military
5: all right so with that militia being the topic now i want to get you guys' opinions on this you know like so should you have to be you know registered as a militia do you feel like that That should be something that you should have to do. Do you feel like you like? Oh, I want to like. So if I were to say I I want to start a militia, should I have to go and do file all the paperwork and do all the legalities behind this, or should I be able to just? Okay, I want to get a group of people together that I trust and you know or whatever, and just call it what it is.
4: I believe it's an invasion of privacy, mainly because the government then has that information that if they are going to come into hypothetically come into our town. And take our guns away. They know we have X, Y, and Z militias
0: operating here. Well, that's, so that's this is what we need to watch. Point, well, that's the whole point of why mm-hmm. it's done like that because, because, and I think too that the the definition of militia per se has changed back from what it used to be to what people identify them now. But like you said, gross invasion of privacy um, that just put paints a giant target on your back that way. It's like, well, you know, they're obviously trying. They're obviously trying to keep pushing gun control for a reason. You, anybody can elaborate on that. So, when it comes down to it, you have a huge target on your back. That, that, that's, that's, it, all the pieces fit that's together. That's the same thing as a gun registry. Of course, like if, yep. they, if they required. Because,
2: I mean, whenever you go to buy a firearm, you, you run a background check to make sure that you are able to uh, purchase that firearm, that you are of good mind, and your background checks out. But the firearm that you buy does not go into a, a registry of firearms that the government can scroll through, tap here, and Joe Schmo ha- owns a a three fifty seven Magnum pistol. Like, they can't do that. And they shouldn't be allowed to do that because then they can target individual people that have weapons that they don't want or they don't like or they don't want people to have because the only thing that comes from the government telling the people that they don't want you... You're not responsible enough to own a firearm. Who are they to say that you were responsible enough to own a firearm? They don't Why 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 does a hole in the wall. Yeah, why does the government get to tell you...
1: What you can and can't own. And what, what your capabilities are. Because the people give them power to do that. Well, on that topic, say a convict came out from prison. He's a free man. And he goes and purchases a firearm. Perfectly legal. No. Can't if he's a convict. It all depends. Felons yeah.
2: can't, but I disagree with felons not being able to own firearms. Oh, you do? Yeah. Why is that? Uh, because they serve their time. So, they should so, be
3: rehabilitated at that point. Well, so if you go I to jail, how do you rehabilitated? I level. think
2: there's there's definitely levels to it. There's a, there's a dichotomy. You can't go too high or too low. Um, but I think if you are a felon for
0: having an ounce of weed on you, or I I, th- I, I think depending on the type of the type of family. like if you're yeah, fe- if
2: you're a felon because you killed people, you're probably not getting out of jail anyways. Um, but I don't think you should. You probably shouldn't have firearms. But if you're, if you were arrested for having like X amount of weed that makes you a felon, and you have to serve jail time for that, I think it's ridiculous that those people can't buy firearms. You know, felons can't vote.
1: Yeah, I know that
2: one. I think all of that is ridiculous.
1: Well, the only thing on that part, so they go to purchase a firearm, and you don't have any background checks on what. Was it shotguns now? Some rifles. They don't do a background check. I'm not aware of that. No, no, I'm not aware it was that. everything. I do everything now. Yeah. yeah. Every yeah. Oh, okay. firearm purchase. There's oh. a there's two
2: different. So, uh, you do a state background check whenever you buy rifles or shotguns. If you buy a pistol,
1: you do a state and a federal. Okay. That's, That's right. Right. I went to a gun show and got a rifle just like straight up.
5: Well. Cool. You get the rifle. But you have to go to that distributor and sign the paperwork and then that they take they take the serial number down to the right, you know, said firearm, and then that goes into the
0: system and goes through the background check and then it is registered to you. Okay. See, there's also something weird too, you're saying about there's no national registry. Does something like that exist on the state level? And the only reason I bring this up is because I know personally that my yeah, it had a car broken into back in the 80s, and there was a firearm that was stolen. Everything in the entire inside of the car was taken, like all the the radio and stuff was taken out, and that was something that was taken. Fast forward 10 years, and the, and, and this investigator shows up, at, um, and is like, "Hey, are you missing?" Gives detail of the gun, serial number. He knew exactly whose gun that was because of the serial number on it, and my dad my dad reported that it was missing but he didn't know the serial number, didn't have any that written down, because th- this is quite a bit different because it's back in the 80s, you know, reported that it that it was stolen. Um, and didn't didn't tell them the serial number or anything because he didn't have that information on hand, and they knew how to find him because of the serial number.
5: I believe, can't quote me 100% on it, but I believe that there is kind of a... Registry, but it's not something that you they can just access out of spite. You know, like, hey, I want to see what this person owns. I think it has to involved a investigation or you know something very well, with like malicious intent. Well,
0: that may be true that that is there that, that you have to go through and say subpoena just to make the yeah So you have to subpoena the subpoenaed information out of it. The fact that, that information's there is scary in the first place because with the single press agree. of a button, that could become. Read yeah,
5: like it could escalate to something to where you could really just pick on somebody,
0: you know, virtually speaking. That might just be our state in particular, but I'm, I'm, uh, that's something I know firsthand.
3: Well, I know based on based on that, it, in what you were saying there, uh, crossfire, it was the fact that they had the the serial number they knew it was for him. Whenever you fill out that paperwork to, to get a firearm, the serial number's on there. Yes. That's so the serial number being on there and the fact that it went through the background check with your name on it, that's the reason they knew was because the serial number is associated with the name. Th- so not necessarily the weapon itself.
0: So that's what I that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at is well, that paperwork has exactly what the weapon is, the manufacturer, the weapon, all that's written on there. But there's so no
2: registry that is like point and click. Like I want
3: the the only uh, way they can access that is with the serial number. They can type that serial number in and find out there, who owns.
0: Like it. I said, this was in the eighties. There wasn't yeah. there. I I doubt that there was any typage going on. Oh, that fair point. Well, you
2: said it, ten years later, so
0: yeah, that was, stuff was put maybe put into computers and. It, well, yeah. So like it, that over the course it may have gotten that, and, and if I, they I, I don't quite know the details on on how it came to arise or whatever whatever that case or whatever that was, but the fact that they were able to track him down and this wasn't a guy from the place that we reported it to, or, well not we, it would have been him that he reported it to all that time later there had to have been some way to track it so they knew exactly what he had that's the point I'm trying to get at so the ma- the makings of the registry are there already
2: yeah and it would just take a, a half decent pro not even half decent, a regular programmer just to the information to, to make that, a script that that Excel that puts yeah <laughs> that puts <laughs> all of your everyone on the planet's guns into
1: an Excel spreadsheet well yeah that's like whenever you go to transfer like a pistol to another person you literally have to take the gun there and they record all the serial number and everything and then they have to submit it and you have to wait like five days until it actually gets transferred into your name is that technically the registry I don't know. It's very hard to... It,
2: I know it's not actually... Like, there is a thing that makes... Like, the registry is basically an, the idea of easy, easily accessible. for anyone can just look it up and see that your neighbor has this gun. or Public a, knowledge. Public knowledge, basically.
1: Wait, so you can look up, like, a serial number and find you the can. person who owns it? Not,
0: or, not now. No, not that's now. just the idea. The, the idea. Or, like, I could look up your name... And every gun you own is there. And right? every gun that you've ever purchased is there. Yeah. Probably, really I mean, you, up. That's it'd an probably, privacy. That's an invasion of privacy. Big time. Yeah, it'd probably even include the ones that you had sold. Probably tell yeah. you the date that it was sold and to who it was sold. Yeah, it's messed up. Yeah.
5: Going into that with the whole, you know, selling, you know, and whatnot, you know, of rifles, to be specific. Now, there are rifles that you can be grandfathered. You know, so you have a... A family, you know, a family member of yours, you know, father, grandfather, whatever, passes away. You can take that that said rifle, and there's no there's no paper trail there's saying a transfer. that. Transfer, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You don't mm-hmm. have to transfer that. It's like it's like I it's said, grandfathered to you. to you. Like it, it's just given to you. It's
0: also, too, like if your father gives you a gun, it's your gun. Yeah, because but it has to be. There's no paperwork. Yeah, no but it has paperwork. to be
5: direct. Like I, family members, yeah, it yes. has yeah. to be a direct family.
0: Um, that there's a whole.
3: Does that work? It? Does that work with like siblings as well? Yes.
0: Yes, yeah. it like has to be uncle,
3: true. uncle to nephew, no. uncle to no. Niece. No. 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 I think it's just direct, 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 direct family, up I think and down, son, brother, sister. I believe that's how it is. Yes, yes.
0: and in like in like direct generational. So like that's how you said a grandfather can give it to a grandson as long as it's directly line. line. Yeah.
5: yeah. Now, do I think that? Cause that, I mean, that's a very vague thing that goes on. Like that whole passing of firearms, you know, between family members. You know, you guys know as much as I do that that probably happens more so that you know with you know maybe not so direct family members. Like you know, it's like because not every family member may be you know a gun advocate or two A advocate, whatever. You know, then they're like, oh, you know, your cousin likes guns, so here. So I mean. Well, I, I imagine I'll, that probably happens.
0: Well, how many of those people don't actually know the law? So I think a lot, I mean, I think, I think there's some, some of it people do it purposely like that. And I think just like anything else, people aren't well aware enough of the law. It's it, like, Oh, well, it, there's a, there's a familyhood lineage. I can give it to my cousin. Well, the law to, shouldn't be so like the purpose of the law like in
2: general should not be to restrict freedom. The purpose of the law is to give as much freedom as possible.
3: And give safety with it, it, it. While, while providing
2: people's. security. So I think it's a little ridiculous to have these arbitrary rules that not make, like, they change all the time. Like, we don't, we don't, we can't say for sure if it's direct lineage or if you can, if none of them want it or you can give it to your cousin. And that, the same way that goes with arbitrary rulings on attachments for, for firearms. It's, and I kind of want to get into the NFA with um, banning of, um, short bow rifles, m- machine gun, or machine guns happened in 1930s, um, with the Gun Th- Control
0: Act. 34, and then there was an amendment in 68, and then there was the additional 94 stuff modified on top of that, yeah. But, yeah. What makes, it, and we can look
2: at countries like, um, Italy, for example. I know Italy doesn't have, like, they can, they don't, have, they don't have the same freedoms that we have with firearms, but they, like, they can't conceal carry firearms unless like extreme circumstance it's super hard to get the one there but they can own whatever firearm they want as long as it's semi-automatic and as long as it's um it, it can be short it can be long it can like it doesn't matter what attachments are on it because that's no statute of limitations yeah and it's ridiculous because if you if you look at gun deaths in the united states which are largely suicide but if you look at gun desks, the majority of them are from handguns. It has nothing to do with sh- short barrel rifles or pistol braces or anything like that. Like, the attachment... Or
3: high-capacity magazines.
2: High-capacity high magazine. Like, these stuff, this is not something that you can just regulate out. And it shouldn't... It, the goal of the law should be to give people more freedom, not prevent it. And these are extremely arbitrary in the sense that first of all the military uses them so by some of the stuff that we talked about in the federalist papers you should be armed if not the same or better than
3: a standing than the
2: standing army and it, it just creates a whole lot of nonsense in the gun industry especially for new people getting into it that don't have any idea like, they could be doing something wrong, and they don't even know it. You could... They like, could
3: buy a pistol caliber carbine and have a vertical foregrip on it, and, and committing... now a, you're a felony. You're committing a or felony, you and put you put wouldn't a, even know. You put a stock
2: on a registered pistol, now it's a felony. Like, now the person that is... Going out of their way to follow the law, or trying trying their best to follow the law, they they went to the gun store, they did the background check, they did all of this stuff, and now because they went home and they saw a, on Call of Duty a cool stock and they bought one and they put it on their gun because they thought it looked cool or that's that just what they wanted. Fits because they're all the same size. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it fits. Now that per, that person is immediately made a felon and, and that can
3: now cannot own a firearm.
2: Yeah, which is in, that you're. You're making criminals out of ordinary people. Out of regular people that have no intent of doing any harm. That's not. These are victimless, victimless crimes. That
3: I'm putting on. I'm putting something on my gun that looks cool. But
2: not now, all of a sudden, I'm a felon. Because I'm into guns, like. Because I think it looks cool, or because I because I plan to use it for self defense and nothing more than self defense and training and stuff like that. So I want the the correct gear that will make me most efficient in my training.
0: It's even, it shouldn't matter why you want it. That's nobody's business. Yeah. But it, your own. Yeah. You um, lightly
4: talked on, like, su- uh, suicide during your, your point there. And, like, relating to, like, gun deaths and violence, the suicide rate with guns will not decrease if... We're going to put any kind of limitation on guns. Like that's not going to change. Well,
2: I think the suicide. Well, if you look at the s- statistic for gun deaths in the U.S. specifically, the majority. If I think, it's somewhere close to like sixty percent of actual gun deaths in the United States, are suicides, and then smaller portions being, um, accidental like death. accidental death, um, and. The like 10% of that being I mean these
4: are round figures Um, 10% of that being actual violent crime I actually do have a statistic for you Uh, the US General Accountability Office GAO for short estimated that 100% of deaths per year in which a child under 6 years old shoots and kills him slash herself or another child could be
0: prevented by automatic child proof safety locks one hundred percent. One hundred percent. For the record, the suicide rate is exactly sixty percent. So that was the. Uh, I just wanted to follow up that that number is one hundred percent correct. Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: the the majority of the gun deaths that they scream about how there's a gun, there's
3: a gun, there's problem. a gun
2: problem in the U.S. and it's a they're slaughtering people and stuff. The over pe- half. Of yeah, yeah, gone, yeah. There's a over gun gun half is suicide. suicides. One hundred percent
4: of six year olds. Or less.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if someone wants to hurt themselves, they're gonna find a way. Whether it like, I'm sure the majority of those suicides by firearm are from males, because males usually kill themselves with firearms or something a bit more violent than like I did drinking two bottles of six bottles of Nyquil and falling asleep forever. Or something. It's oh, <laughs> the NyQuil Challenge. Oh, to lightly touch
4: on my... my do not t- do the NyQuil Challenge. Don't. We're not discussing yes. the, the NyQuil Challenge. Do not do the NyQuil Challenge. Massive disclaimer. Uh, to lightly touch on that, though, uh, in my joke of the 100% of deaths of six-year-olds. That also ties in with responsibility. So, like, if you are a gun owner, we've, we've talked about that, like, safety, training, like, knowing... How to properly care for a firearm store it properly so that keep it
3: up and away where a six yeah if you have it.
2: six if you have six year olds around children period yeah if yeah, you have right. kids around you should probably keep that weapon in a safe or in a location that they can't get to if you have a two-year-old keep it on top and you want to have weapons staged in your house for safety reasons keep it on top of the fridge or keep it in so like know your kids understand what your kids can do and their limitations, and go from there. And at the same time, teach your kids Tell the them. responsibility. Like I'm pretty sure we we touched on responsibility in the First Amendment, but the people in the United States have a serious lack of responsibility nowadays. And mm-hmm. understanding understanding their rights, and, or just doing anything in general, no one wants to take responsibility for doing things.
5: Like like you like touching on that same thing. Like I don't think we there's no I don't believe we have a gun problem. We have a people problem. Absolutely, we have, the people have zero so, like many people. Well, I don't, I don't want to say everybody, but most people have a serious lack of self accountability, zero responsibility for their actions. So, with these people, yeah,
3: and like you guys not, talked about in the First Amendment, where people don't want to be wrong, people can't accept their their themselves being wrong.
5: With people, you know, with this new day and age with you know how people are lashing out with this you know I'm a victim sorry you know yeah we feel bad for you but suck it up like you gotta have a little bit of self accountability for your actions and sit there and take a deep look at yourself like is this really how I want to perceive myself you know especially if you're a firearm owner you cannot be one of these people that go walking around you know crying you know and screaming out and lashing out in these really childish, you know, manners because that all that takes away from you have a lack of responsibility. That means you have you know, you're you're not, you're going to make poor decisions with said firearm. Or you know, whatever whatever weapon, any any weapon period. So maturity. Maturity is a big thing with owning a firearm. And we all train. We do this, you know. We, we, we train. We, we you do dry fire drills. You can, heck, you, you go watch YouTube and how to tear down said firearm, how it works, which is, I think, a, a, a big problem with people don't understand how things work. Yeah. They know that whenever you put the magazine in, you charge it, you know, or rack the bolt, you know, whatever and you pull the trigger and it goes bang. That is a lot of people's ignorance. They don't understand how the firearm works. And I think education is the biggest help helper for everybody to you know, education breeds safety. So, the more you educate yourself, the safer you're going to be because the more you understand what is going on.
3: And that's the same with kids like to, to bring that point in the the more you talk to your children or or the children that are around you and say this is what this is this is what it's capable of don't you don't this isn't a toy this is a tool this is something that you use in a last ditch situation or or something that you you go and hunt with or, or something that you understand the use of exactly
1: yeah. mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people I know that know absolutely nothing about firearms, like and, and they own them. Honestly. And they they own them. They have no idea anything about them. Like you'll ask them, like how many rounds does it hold? Like it's just a pump shotgun. They're like, I don't know. I just don't I don't just empty. keep pumping until it's empty. Yeah, you just keep putting them in until <laughs> it's empty. It's really... like, what good does that do you? you don't know how it works, you don't know how to tear you don't know how to tear it apart. It's just absolutely meaningless to own it if and, you don't and, know anything about it.
3: And, and with that example like a pump shotgun where you don't know how many rounds it holds, if you ever need to use it in a self-defense situation, say it holds 4 rounds, you you crank off all 4 and you pump it again and you go to shoot the last person or to to defend yourself and you hear click, you're you're done for. Yeah, you you, you need, need to, to have know. Uh, you
2: just died. You have to have a level a, of at least proficient, and and competency, that, con, yeah, competency in your firearms, especially if you are carrying them or you plan on using them for self defense or even hunting, you need to know what that firearm is capable
0: of doing, and um, what what it, what you're doing with it. But I think it's what Switzerland. They, I don't know if they still do. Probably not anymore. But they used to require all all men to go. And do firearms-related things. Everybody had a gun. Well, yeah. I thought they all joined the military. I think they, I thought that was Israel. Israel. Israel, Israel is Switzerland. Switzerland. Israel. No, no,
1: Israel. Switzerland also has a mandatory Ye- service. Yeah, okay, yeah. then or that's no,
2: because that means people Google would
0: it. have to go in the service. No, and Sweden. Sweden, Switzerland. 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 I think.
2: I think Switzerland. Has I'm a pretty mandatory sure
0: because I, th- I believe it was something like that where where they had to go. I know Israel definitely. Yeah, Israel yeah, yeah, definitely
2: yeah, yeah. has a mandatory service.
0: Yeah, is, Israel nowadays does. Japan, Korea, does too. Uh, Korea. Korea. Does. Korea. Yeah,
4: there's a buddy on my uh, university hockey team that was from Israel, and he did do military service. I
5: believe it's two years.
4: Yeah, at least. I I he was. He I was talk, 27. So.
5: Yeah. Well, I talked to somebody that we work with and he was he's from Egypt and oh yeah and he had a he, there were the at least in Egypt it was a mandatory 2 years of service yeah okay. now Egypt, now mandatory service. with that being said now i don't service is really broad i i mean i know that you know you're militarized you know but i don't think that it was like okay you're said riflemen or you know, like they just assign you something, I believe.
3: But even that being said, like leading back to, to the Second Amendment and in and, and being proficient in with your, your weapons, those places that have this mandatory service, you are taught the basics of these weapons, in these weapon systems. So that gives them that proficiency and at least competency with these weapons, whereas Here, it's, you can just go out and buy one and not have to learn anything about it, which is, can be dangerous.
1: All right, so there's actually 73 countries that have mandatory military service. Some are Israel, Mexico, Austria, Finland, Switzerland, Denmark, Russia, and Brazil for a few. I did not know Russia had that. So that's basically a bunch of neutral
2: countries and a bunch of countries that are always at war. Yes. (laughs) Um... But so we're we're coming up on some time here, and I definitely think we can keep talking about this. Uh, but I want to kind of close this one out, and then if we feel like we can continue talking, then we can go to a uh, another part uh, a part two to this because this is something that we are all very uh, interested in, passionate um, to So I want to I want to end with this. This is from the Federalist Papers, uh, number 27. One thing at all events must be evident that a government like the one proposed would bid much fair to avoid the necessity of using force than the species of league contended for by most of its opponents, the authority of which should only operate upon the states in their political or collective capacity. It has been shown that in such a Confederacy there can be no sanction the law but force the frequent delinquencies and the members are the natural offspring of the large frame of the government and that as o- that as often as these happen they can only be redressed if at all by war or violence and that is basically saying you should force should be a last resort and if it's not used in a last resort then the only redress that people, will, it'll come to is by war or violence.
3: Violence is met by violence. Yeah, and yeah. if it's not used as a last resort, then it you will be met with violence.
2: With that, we will end that podcast here. I want to thank our guests for coming and, and joining in the conversation. Blackbeard and Skyscraper. Do you thank have you. any, uh, Any last
5: words you'd like to add? Train, get familiar, and just be a decent human being.
1: Yeah, be smart, educate yourself. All right. Seems like pretty good advice, yeah. Yeah. So,
2: thanks again for watching our or listening to our second podcast. Uh, If you guys have any questions you want to ask us or anything like that, you can find us on our Discord, which is in the description of this video or this podcast. And uh, yeah.
0: Does anyone else have anything? I'd say the easiest way to find the Discord is through our anchor. It's uh, anchor.fm slash Um In the main description, there is the actual link to the Discord. Because I know a lot of places will show the link, but if you're on like Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you can't click that link. So that's the best place yeah, to find Yeah, if you it. go to anchor.fm. Anchor.fm slash WeValiantFew.
2: Yep. So anchor.fm slash WeValiantFew. You can get on our Discord. You can talk to us directly. We can have conversations. I'd love to hear some questions or come up with maybe stuff that we've never thought about. And that was the whole point of this podcast that we made is so then we can talk about things that we may not have heard before or stuff like that.
3: Create the discussion.
2: Yep. So thanks again. See you soon.